This is Andrew Schultz. I'm the sales manager for CHS Ag Services. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll get an update from Whitney Pittman as well. The Government Accountability Office is calling for changes in the federal support given to crop insurance companies. The report recommends a reduction or recalibration of crop insurance subsidies for private insurance companies and for farmers with the highest income. New York Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and New York Senator Cory Booker requested this GAO report and will likely use it to secure crop insurance reform in the upcoming Farm Bill debate. The American Association of Crop Insurers, the Crop Insurance and Reinsurance Bureau, and the National Crop Insurance Services Group issued a joint statement saying these changes would dismantle the successful public-private partnership that delivers crop insurance to farmers and ranchers. The House spending bill for USDA and the Food and Drug Administration remains in limbo. The House Freedom Caucus has reportedly backed down on its demand for major budget cuts. The bill still includes language banning the availability of an abortion pill, which is a non-starter for many Republicans. Compromise needs to happen in both chambers of Congress by January 19th to avoid a partial government shutdown. China's purchase of U.S. wheat sparked the, the wheat market yesterday. Ag Resource Company President Dan Bossie says the purchase surprised the grain trade. Especially the size of it. And so uh, we now see China taking a million and a half tons of total U.S. wheat we think in the background there's another half million tons to be done, so two million tons in total. This means that USDA's export estimate may be 20 or 25 million bushels for the 23-25 crop year, too low, I should say. And so there needs to be an increase there. It tightens up the Chicago stocks balance sheet, but it's taking Kansas City along also. So, you know, if you look at the Kansas City market, not a lot of carry. Uh, funds have been covering, and the funds are probably too short and maybe a little more oomph to the upside nearby. Bashi says USDA will need to adjust the wheat carryout. I think they may make some of it on Friday because we are starting to see the Chinese demand start to move up. And so I do think we could see it on Friday or at least a small nudge to the upside. But other changes in December are probably going to be relegated to South American crop size. Lowen and Associates President Pete Lowen says the wheat market has performed pretty well considering the lack of fundamental news. You look at weekly closes last week and, and uh, we were fairly quiet in, in uh, corn and soybean markets. Wheat technically, you know, we're not far off contract lows in some of this stuff, but meaning time-wise we made them not that long ago and wheat has performed extremely well. Um, I, really without much fundamental backing, though. And the announcement of wheat sale to China sparked the wheat market yesterday. You know, you get news like we did with China, big wheat buyer, and we did have really good export sales last week, uh, over 20 million bushels in wheat, which, uh, given carryout, 20 million is a big number for weekly sales, but that's one week also. If we start to put together uh, multiple weeks with numbers like that, we may have some fundamental backing that can that can help underpin uh, the lows may be being behind us, which would be a great thing. A group of 17 Republican governors, including North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, has sent a letter to President Biden opposing Chinese ownership of American land. The letter says China's attempt to purchase land in the United States is a threat to national security and to farmers. The U.S. Agency for International Development and a Ukrainian rail company have signed a memorandum of understanding. 
With this agreement, the United States will invest $225 million to support the development of a 50-mile connection between western Ukraine to the trans-European network. This infrastructure will provide another option to export Ukrainian agricultural products. A new rule from USDA allowing beef imports from Paraguay is being criticized in a letter signed by 21 members of Congress. The lawmakers claim outdated data was used when making this decision and it increases the risk for foot and mouth disease. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is in Mexico this week meeting with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Mexico is one of the top export markets for U.S. agriculture, and the expansion of bilateral trade will be on the agenda for Yellen and her Mexican counterpart. And the Commodity Futures Trading Commission has approved its proposed guidance for the trading of voluntary carbon credit derivative contracts. This action tells the markets what they need to consider when listing a carbon credit contract. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Agricultural Census set to be released next February. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. National Agricultural Statistics Service Acting Methodology Division Director Lance Honing says the Agricultural Census released by USDA every five years will provide an in-depth look at the overall health of farming operations across the country. How many farms do we have? How many farm operators do we have? How much land is involved in farms? And then it just literally starts to go down piece by piece all the way down to expenses, what farmers are paying, what kind of income we're looking at so we can measure the financial health of our operations. We find out about all the different commodities out there. We look at new things that are coming, like this is the first census where we'll actually have information about uh, specifically about hemp grown in the U.S. Precision agriculture, some new questions around that as well. USDA just announced they've started collecting data for the new aquaculture census and will continue to provide traditional reports. There's always these other activities associated with it. In particular, we'll have some what we call follow-on activities. So we do the big census, tells us what's happening uh, big picture, but then we'll start to zero in from the information we get on some of the uh, particular industries, like we've got aquaculture, census of aquaculture kicking off. Uh, also, we've got a uh, water management survey that will be uh, getting underway soon. But these are all just census related. But we've got hundreds of reports that we put out every year. That all continues. Even though the census is going on, all that information that you're used to seeing on an ongoing basis, that still keeps coming. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. The market for soybeans has shifted and will continue to do so as new crush facilities come online and get more established. North Dakota Soybean Council Director of Market Development, Jenna Burtness, says their marketing efforts will change as well. If you had asked me a year ago who's the number one customer for North Dakota soybeans, I could have easily answered uh, the whole bean buyer in China is your number one customer. But now that we're looking at with these two plants, crushing about 50% of North Dakota soybeans, and we're primarily crushing that for the oil, that oil is primarily going to renewable diesel, which is all going to California. I said, you know, once these plants come online, it's kind of 50-50. Your customer is still that whole bean buyer in China, but it's also going to be that California consumer that's buying this fuel at the pump. And so that's a major shift for us as the Soybean Council with marketing efforts. Burtness also looks forward to the state's second major crush facility beginning operations next year. Have had a very lucky construction season. I mean, who would have thought in December 
we would still uh, have minimal snow on the ground and and have these nice temperatures. So yeah, I hear Castleton is is on schedule, and we can expect that for harvest of next year. North Dakota Livestock Alliance Executive Director Amber Wood says right now is the time for anyone interested in expanding, diversifying, or beginning livestock production to take advantage of programs available in the state. So there's the Egg Development and Diversification Fund. So that is not only a grant program, but also an interest buy-down program through the Bank of North Dakota. It is amazing. It is something that the legislature supported very heavily, and it is something that if we don't use it, we could lose it. So let's get out there, get those producers applying. And then also, of course, uh, the Egg Product Utilization Commission. That is also the application process is also under the Egg Department. So they are your main go-to for a lot of the major programs for livestock development. And then, of course, our colleagues at USDA NRCS, they have cost share programs that can be utilized for modifying feedlots. The potato industry will gather in Austin, Texas in January for the annual Potato Expo. National Potato Council CEO Cam Quarles says Potato Expo will help kick off 2024 for the industry. In general, our timing for for Expo just could could not be better. It's it allows the entire potato supply chain, which again is about 100 billion dollars uh, a year in uh, in benefits to the US economy. Um, it allows that entire uh, supply chain to get together, set their deals for the year, get all the information they need to really kick the year off strong. Vice President of Industry Relations Holly Alexander has a rundown of Potato Expo. Yeah, the first day, uh, it starts off with uh, United puts on a summit with uh, some of the updates um, on the markets. And then the Expo, uh, Potato Expo, officially opens after that. Uh, this year, we are going to have uh, three stages with programming going on both days on all three stages all day long. Uh, so there'll be lot, lots of content and information to, to gather while you're there. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. USDA's weekly export inspections report for the week ending November 30th showed 1.2 million metric tons of corn were inspected for export. That's 183% more than the previous week, 39% more than the same week last year. Soybean inspections, 1.1 million metric tons, down 29% from the previous week, 47% less than the same week last year. Wheat inspections at 188,000 tons are down 35% from the previous week, 45% less than a year ago. For the marketing year, corn inspections running 27% ahead of last year's pace. Soybean inspections are down 14% and wheat inspections down 24% from a year ago. Canada's farmers harvested more corn and soybeans, but less wheat, canola, barley, and oats this past season. According to the latest Statistics Canada report, total wheat production fell by 7% year-over-year to 32 million tons, as growing conditions were generally drier than a year earlier. Canola production was down 2% year-over-year, down to 18 million. StatsCan says corn production gained 4%, soybean production rose 7% year over year. Large portion of the Southern Plains is still trying to recover from a multi-year drought. Corteva range and pasture specialist Katie Koenig is encouraging ranchers to plan accordingly. So if we can plan our grazing management and you know see what pastures go out and actually identify you know where we can extend those grazing days is going to be best for us. 
Um, coming out of winter, if we can delay grazing as long as possible would be another great way to preserve the roots at all costs. And that's what we like to go out and look at our management, our grazing management plan and see what we see above ground many times mimics what we see below ground. And so we want to preserve, preserve that root system so when we do get moisture, the soil can hold on to it. And while many of her clients consider themselves cattle ranchers, Koenig says that they also need to be grass farmers. That may require a different mindset. The worst thing we can do is stick to that old mindset of we've done it this way forever. Um, and I do think herbicides are a great integrated approach to managing noxious weeds and invasive weeds, especially, you know, weeds that we see on the invasive weed list or noxious weed list with counties and all that. And so um, there's, a, it, it, there's a time and place for it. And especially when we're challenged, we have perennial weeds that are challenging this, Canada thistle, um, bindweed, or anything like that. We definitely need to manage those um, so we don't increase the spread of them. Checking markets, we have Minneapolis wheat as we speak, down three and three quarters cents for March at 7.32 and a half. Chicago wheat for March down two and a quarter. Hard red winter wheat, March two and a half down. Steady money for March corn, 4.85 and a half. And in the morning trade, January soybeans four cents higher, thirteen ten and a quarter is the quote. Checking in on the farm calendar uh, session called "Design Your Succession Plan for Farmers and Ranchers" going on at the Carrington Research Extension Center, starting at six o'clock tonight. Again, that's at Carrington. Ag Horizons going on today and tomorrow. That's in Pierre, South Dakota. The event brings together uh, nine different organizations, everything from oil seeds to soil health and conservation organizations. And uh, the CHS annual meeting is going on this week, Thursday and Friday. That will be taking place at the Minneapolis Convention Center. We'll have broadcast coverage here on the Red River Farm Network. Have yourself a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. <laughs>